Welcome to Real Tech Hours, the podcast where we talk about tech during Real Tech Hours. Today, we've got a lot to talk about because it's been a minute since we last checked in. Um, it's been a busy couple of three weeks. It has been uh, three, well, it'll be three weeks as of tomorrow, Wednesday, is when I uh, posted the last one. But this one will go ahead and post today on Tuesday just to make it easy. Um, and we might end up splitting it depending on how long this episode is going to take, because there is a lot to talk about. We had the Pixel 5 event, NVIDIA delayed the 3070 launch, we've got to talk about the Samsung event, we've got to talk about the Amazon event, we have to talk about what Microsoft is doing, I mean, it's been pretty crazy, I'm not going to lie, and it's going to be a lot to cover, I really should have done an episode last week or the week before that, um, but I've been a little busy trying to you know, get some other stuff done, and, and, uh, yeah, so now we're gonna have to play catch-up, um, but let's just jump right into it, so, first, uh, we'll go with Tesla Battery Day, it's probably one of the oldest things that's happened, and at the time, it was absolutely wild, absolutely insane, it's just as good as we thought it would be, and even better. So obviously they introduced the played powertrain. Uh, it enables the. It's going to be first on the Model S. Uh, it's called the Raven or something like that. Um, basically, it's going to enable the Model S to go over 200 miles per hour, and it gives it a range of well over 520 miles per hour. They didn't give an exact rating, but they said it was over 520. Uh, miles on a full charge um, so that should be interesting obviously it's going to start at $139,000 so that's a nice chunk of change but I mean, this is their bleeding edge of technology it's, it's I mean the sucker looks pretty sick not gonna lie um, then they did announce their new in-house battery tech their project Roadrunner they've been working on um, what they came up with was five times the energy six times as powerful with a six percent improved range and all while reducing the cost by 14 percent that's i mean dear dear lord five times the energy and six times as powerful that's crazy and the cost is down 14 percent that's even wilder um yeah they created a whole new battery design for this thing or whatever and i mean the way that they just said it most of it went over my head but it sounded pretty it sounded pretty sick not gonna lie um, and then, you know, they talked a lot about their uh, long-term goals. So Elon Musk did, you know, reiterate the $25,000 Tesla. Um, but he seriously thinks it's going to be in three years. I know he did say that back in 2018, so another year, and it'd be three years from 2018. But with what we've seen here at this event, uh, you know, it, it seems a whole lot more likely now because they have a much cheaper battery. If you don't know much about EVs, the battery inside an EV is the largest cost driver. Nothing else inside the vehicle costs more than the battery pack that goes at the bottom of the car or wherever they place it. I mean, the suckers are just expensive. It's a lot of materials and a lot of time and effort and energy has to go into making these battery packs because not only did it have to be huge, it's a bunch of tiny battery cells all into one little case. It has to be safe, you know. You don't want to be driving around with a, a battery that could potentially 
you know, explode and kill you while you're driving down the road uh, if it gets the slightest tap from something. So um, it, it just takes a lot of time to make these these battery packs and and whatnot. Um, but he did say that in three years from now, a $25,000 car would be ready, and it seems a whole lot more likely than it did back in 2018 to be ready now. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll just have to keep an eye out. Uh, he did he did go ahead and drop that full self-driving, the complete full self-driving, would be in a beta sometime this year. So, I mean, he did say full self-driving would be ready. And I think they're going to stick close to it. I know he said uh, that there would be a huge fleet of Teslas driving themselves around, making Tesla a bunch of money. I don't think that's going to happen uh, anytime soon. I think we've still got a couple more years uh, before that takes hold. Uh, they're really going to want to put some time in with full self-driving on the road, get a lot of hours built up so the AI learns a lot. Um, but yeah, they've just got to, that's going to be a minute. But full self-driving does look like it's going to happen this year. Not going to roll out to the entire fleet, obviously, but it's going to be in a, a uh, beta of some form. Um, so then Amazon had some kind of day, some kind of event. I didn't even know that this was happening. Um, but that just goes to show you how much stuff is happening during these past two months. Um, we had the new Echo lineup got unveiled they are all spherical now with a flat base they're spherical it's spherical um <laughs> a new fire tv lineup basically just more efficient there's no not a whole lot of uh changes occurring there um the ring always home camera this is what everybody has been talking about a lot it's a flying camera that can be used to view areas of your house and so i've seen a lot of people you know hit amazon with a lot of questions about what it's going to be like and and how could you invade privacy like this but i don't think they really understand where amazon's coming from with this one so basically the ring always home camera isn't just going to like fly around your house constantly checking until it runs out of battery and then it goes and docks itself it's only going to activate when you set it to activate. You have to set it up in conjunction with something else. Um, first of all, you do have to map it to your home, so you have to fly it around and you know show it the different areas so that it uh, can fly on its own when you're not there. Um, but basically, then, once it's mapped, it'll only really activate if, say, okay, you tell it, Whenever there's motion at my front door, detected by my other ring camera, fly to the entryway or something like that. Fly to, you know, wherever the front door is. You're living just outside of your living room, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then it'll fly there and look. And I'm sure after a certain period of time, it'll go away and go back and dock. It's not just going to fly around the house and do laps, as far as I've seen. They could have that feature, wouldn't be surprised, but the way that they described it and the way that I interpreted it was that this object needs to have, you know, if, then, that. Uh, it has to have some kind of trigger to make it go away. Like if you have other ring sensors, you know, say there's motion detected somewhere else, uh, fly to this room, you know, blah, 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 yeah, that kind of thing. So um, it should be really interesting um, the only real, the only really interesting questions that I did see bring up were about pets. You know, what if my dog or cat or or bird or whatever tries to attack it? What's going to happen then? Obviously, the blades have a shroud around them for the fan for the uh, fans that is on this 
ideally to keep it flying. Um, so, you know, maybe they shouldn't get hurt necessarily, but, you know, if they damage it, then it's damaged, and, and I can't really fix that here in my house. Um, but yeah, so that should be interesting to get a little more information on that. Uh, then they announced the Ring Car Connect. Uh, it essentially connects to the cameras built into the car to enable a feature similar to Tesla's Sentry mode, and that's exactly what it's rolling out on. It's rolling out on Tesla's first because, you know, Tesla's one of the first, one of the only vehicles to have such a full suite of cameras on it designed for such a system. Uh, it's kind of interesting that Tesla would, you know, be uh, all right with enabling like ring i well no i guess it's not very interesting because tesla is very uh, a very open company when it comes to these kinds of partnerships and and uh, allowing people to use uh, their technology and and whatnot um but yeah you know this is uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see if other cars can adopt the ability uh, oh so i should say uh, a little bit more about ring car connect basically it just uses the cameras in your car to create you know a security system so if it detects somebody's getting too close to your car or something like that it's going to turn on the cameras and and start recording and uh you know obviously if it, somebody hits your car it's going to back up a little bit and save the recording just prior to the accident just after the accident or or continuously recording depending on you know whatever it's set up to do um but it should be interesting to see how they incorporate that probably the one of the most interesting announcements that day though was Luna, Amazon's game streaming service. It has been rumored for a long time. We talked about it for a long time. They've been working on it. Had a lot of, you know, code names and whatnot, but it, the name is officially Luna, and I think this one should be fairly interesting. It is going to be $5.99 a month, and you will get access to a whole bunch of games, and then uh, software publishers, game publishers, game developers, can have their own channels kind of like a tv uh kind of like tv channels you know when you go to a service provider and you'd sign up and you'd say okay i want this this and this channel and they tell you how much it's going to cost that is exactly what amazon is aiming for the base luna service will cost 5.99 it will include a whole suite of games and then other game developers will have their own channels ubisoft is already announced to have a channel i do believe it's ubisoft and uh that will cost you extra so they'll charge you you know like i don't know how much it's going to be but like two three four dollars per month extra for for that channel maybe not that much because that does sound a lot now that i think about it but anyways it should be interesting to see how they handle that who joins on with that um luna should definitely be something that you will be watching out for and then prime day of course was announced recently uh it's going to be october 13th and 14th that's always fun um we might do a little uh, quick little podcast if something interesting is going to be on sale on Prime Day or something like that. So just, you know, keep an eye out for that. It's Prime Day. Oh, my goodness. Prime Day is in a couple. Is in a week. Prime Day is in exactly a week from today. It's on the 13th to 14th next week. Interesting, interesting. Um, next, let's talk about Nikolai. So we talked about Nikolai a lot. And a lot has happened since we talked about Nikolai a lot. <laughs> and I've got to say, it is getting pretty wild. Um, so when I wrote this, there was a lot that was happening. And then now after, uh, a lot has happened more. And I've had some time to think about it. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm pretty sure 
GM is uh, committing some fraud here. So it's pretty wild. Uh, I saw another some journalist somewhere mention that uh, this is you know this is how far GM will go to try to try to match Tesla. Um, it's it's kind of scary. I'm not gonna lie. It's very uh, dangerous business practice as to what is occurring here. But let's let's break it down. Let's start at the beginning. So. Back when we last talked about them, they were under investigation for fraud by the SEC. I said, you know, this looks awful. This looks terrible, god-awful. Um, there's no way that they're going to get away from this. And then the CEO stepped down. That's right. Uh, you know, whatever is Milton or something like that. He stepped down. He agreed to hand back $166 million in stock Oh, that he received in August. What a nice guy. He only stepped down in September, so a month ago. I'll give it back. It's okay. And he terminated a $20 million consulting contract. What a baller. You know, he's he's trying to, you know, cut so much money. He's, he's giving away so much money, only that he still has $3.2 billion worth of stock, according to an FCC filing. So, you know, I mean, like... <laughs> What's 180 million when you got 3.2 billion? Um, but then, just shortly after that, he mysteriously deleted his Twitter account, and the firm that he hired for PR for him personally is not available for comment. Um, yeah, so uh, if you aren't vanishing off the face of the earth and they haven't put out a uh, warrant for you to not leave the country, well, he's probably already gone. <laughs> That's, that's about how it gets. And it gets even better after that. So shortly after that, the new CEO is an exec uh, from GM. It was, it was a former executive from GM. It's the same person who forged the partnership between the two companies initially. Um, and then, you know, the, the, this, this thing is, is on a crash course at this point. Only chance at redemption is to show progress. Uh, they have to show that they can push something forward. Uh, but then immediately after that, like a couple, like a day or so, they were working on a de deal with BP to set up a hydrogen fueling infrastructure. The whole thing fell through. Then, not long after that, GM started re-looking into their partnership, and everybody's like, oh, okay, you know, now they're going to realize that they made such a great mistake here. And then it comes out that GM is thinking about increasing their stake in this company. You can't make this up. GM is going is literally committing full on bait and switch fraud. I mean, this is ridiculous. The you know SEC needs to look into this so heavily. It's not even funny if they don't go ahead and say no. You know you can't hold a stake in this company. This is a fraudulent company. They tricked investors straight out of the gate and have been lying to investors ever since the start. It's time for this thing to, you know, pay, charge them a monster fine. Charge them something like two, charge them like two billion dollars. The exact same amount that uh, GM got in equity. Then, you know, maybe the GM CEO will, you know, start doing a little rethinking. You know, find them two billion dollars, and then find GM too. Find GM like I don't know half a billion dollars for saying, hey, you know, you didn't really look into this, and you're putting your investors at risk here, and you're saying, oh no, it, it's all right, it's all right, Nikolai's great, when they're clearly not great. So, yeah, let let's start handing out some fines, people, and and let's start making them think about this because Nikolai has nothing. Nikolai genuinely does not have much, and there is just no reason for it to continue like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, that whole thing was crazy. Uh, I mean, 
what what a saga. Let me see if I can look it up right now. So, Nikolai, if there's anything interesting, um, huh? Yeah, I don't. I don't see anything interesting recently. Oh yes, they did. The only thing that I see more recently is uh, GM wants to buy more of Nikola, despite the mess. That's about all I'm seeing. Um, oh, actually, somebody did file a class action lawsuit. That is wild. They announced it yesterday. They're filing a class action lawsuit against Nikola. That should be interesting. Well, <laughs> there you have it. Class action lawsuit. That is the most recent thing, and not a surprise at all. So next, let's talk about smartphones. We're still working on what has happened since last time, and we did get the Google um, Pixel Night in Launch event, and it's interesting. It's interesting. Let's let's talk about it. Let's look here. So the easiest way to go through this is to do a comparison of the phones side by side and see why Google is making these decisions because when they and, and then we'll have to talk about some of the other uh, things that did occur super excited about Google TV I've used it a lot now but we'll talk about it here in just a moment the pixels are the headliners let's talk about the headliners first so first we got two new phones we got the pixel 5 and the pixel 4a 5g adding to the lineup this year if we look across all the price points they are pretty much nailing all the price points that are truly relevant right now i would say flagship prices not as relevant right now mid-range budget and upper mid-range those are pretty relevant right now a lot of people a lot of phones are launching there a lot of people are paying attention to the space and even samsung admitted it that a lot of more people buy phones in these price ranges than they do of their flagships, um, which uh, you know I I can elaborate more on in a minute. But, but basically, we got the Pixel 5, comes in at 6.99. All right, not too bad. 700 dollars. We expected. I kind of expected it to be. Uh, I mean, it's around about where I expected it to be. It's where the rumors had net pegged it. Um, I thought they might drop it to a little bit less um, once the Samsung Fan Edition came out. But then you know it's like they're not really equal comparisons. Uh, but anyways, Pixel 4a 5G, 499, another uh, $200 price gap between the two, and then you have the Pixel 4a, obviously, which will launch a while back, we talked about that, 349. Uh, but for the purpose of this comparison, I want to compare it to the Pixel 4, which is last year's Pixel phone that dropped at the same time as the Pixel 5 did last year, uh, but it's 799 so it's an extra $100 over the Pixel 5. Uh, yeah, so first... You know, new color available. Um, the Sage Mint is available only on the Pixel 5, and the Pixel 5 does not come in white. Very interesting. Um, but then the Pixel 4a 5G obviously comes in white and black, and uh, the other color for the Pixel 5 is black. Um, now, the first area where you notice a difference is in dimensions. So, on the Pixel 5, the screen is 6 inches diagonally measured and the pixel 4a 5g is 6.2 inches diagonally so slightly bigger you know a little bit taller a little bit wider 
um, in terms of overall dimensions. Obviously, both phones get 5G, whereas the Pixel 4 was only 4G compatible. Um, then we, you know, we take a look at the uh, screens that are going on these bad boys. Uh, the Pixel 4 had a flexible OLED Full HD Plus at 444 for the PPI. Um, but then we move over to the newest ones, and the Pixel 5 has a Full HD Plus flexible OLED at 432, whereas the 4A has only a regular OLED at 413. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Um, they both have always on display, now playing, touch screen. Uh, you know, they both have a nice contrast radio. It is a little different. The 5 does have a million to one, whereas the uh, 4A 5G does have a 100,000 to one. Uh, they both have HDR support, you know, 24-bit depth for 60 million colors, blah, blah, blah. The main difference here that is on this list is the smooth display. The Pixel 5 has a 90 hertz display. Very, very nice. That, I'm kind of excited about that. Um, if you can't tell, I did place my Pixel pre-order not long after the event ended. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, so then, you know, we move down to battery, and this is where it gets a little more interesting because the Pixel 5, even though it's a smaller device, gets the larger battery here. I mean, they, but even still, they bulked these batteries up. The Pixel 5 comes in at 4080 milliamp hour batteries. That is 4,080 milliamp hours in this battery. That is a huge chunk compared to the Pixel 4, which came in at 2,800 milliamp hours I, I mean oh my goodness the pixel 5 does include uh does get fast wireless charging and battery share and you know obviously they say all day battery um the whereas the pixel 4 a 5g does not get fast wireless charging or battery or um you know reverse wireless charging battery share is what they listed as here and has a slightly smaller battery, not much of a difference. It's 3885 compared to the 4080. So, you know, just just under 200 milliamp hours less. Um, then we get down to the bottom here. We got Corning Gorilla Glass 6 on the front. And then they have a, a metal body on the back, I do believe. I'm not exactly sure. It's kind of, you know, uh, a mystery as to what is going on on the back of this device. But we'll just have to wait and see till I get mine in my hand. Uh, and then for the 4A5G, they have a soft touch polycarbonate unibody. Um, move down a little bit. Obviously, another difference is going to be in the RAM. The 5 is getting 8 gigabytes. Super dope. The 4A5G is getting 6. Mm, excuse me. Same storage, though. 128 gigabytes of storage. Um, no storage options there. I do like that. I don't like how they charged um, a higher price for the 128 gigs uh, versus 64 back when I bought my device and back when they did the um, Pixel 4. Uh, we keep scrolling down here. Now, this is a major difference. A lot of people have been pointing this out. The Pixel 4 had a Snapdragon 855, whereas the 5 and the 4A 5G have Snapdragon 765Gs. So what does that mean? So that is how the 5G is coming into play. That's a major cost saver 
in this equation is using 765 compared to a flagship level processor. And basically, from what I can tell, from what I've seen, people are saying that there's no discernible difference between the 765G and the 855 or the 865 other than when you get into heavily intense 3D games. Now, it should be interesting to see how this does play out because it is a mid-range processor. It is the top of the mid-range processors um, in terms of the Snapdragon 700 series. Um, you know, normally a flagship phone gets a flagship processor, and that is a 800 series processor. But not this time. Google Pixel is... Google's doing something interesting with the Pixel Shear, where they're dropping them with the 765G. We did get a 735G and the Pixel 4a. And people seem to like that for the price point that it was at. But will they like a 765G? We'll have to wait and see. I think it'll be all right. I think, uh, you know, as long as the, uh, as long as what I've seen, you know, holds true, then, you know, it should be interesting. In terms of cameras, we will be getting an ultra-wide this year on both cameras, on both phones, the 5 and the 4A 5G. It's got a regular shooter and then an ultra-wide shooter. That is it. Two cameras on the back, that's all you get. Uh, and really, that's all you're going to need. You got an 8 megapixel camera on the front. Um, it would have been interesting to see them add back in what they have with the pixel 3 where you can do the ultra wide selfies but you know it is what it is they just got around to adding ultra wide on the back let's not ask for too much <laughs> i should have mentioned very back at the beginning sorry i did not mean to breathe so sharply like that but um i should have mentioned back at the beginning that the screens on these displays uh are, the displays on these phones are going to be hole punch that's why there are single shooter cameras on the front and that doesn't mean that project solely is gone but it's not out according to some pixel uh designers the project solely chip will be used later on as well as the radars and, and all this other fun stuff so where can we get some differences um you know really the differences is uh we've, we've pretty much talked about all of them uh they did talk about they did mention briefly some new camera features uh a cinematic pan mode obviously they talked about the ultra wide lens they did talk about this cool um lighting effect portrait lighting effect i don't know if it's only on portrait photos basically you'll be able to change the direction of the lighting after you've taken the photo which wow that seems pretty wild um the 4a 5g will be getting a 3.5 millimeter audio jack uh if that's something that you need the 5 will not have that um but yeah i, I mean these devices are very very strange it should be interesting to see you know what happens here with these with these bad boys um i did want to go back here very quickly and look i knew it my phone currently the 3xl does have a quad hd display at 523 in terms of ppi that is wild that is wild. Uh, it's a much, much better display. Quad HD is, is very nice, I have to say. I like it. I've liked it for a long time. Not as big of a battery, though, when it did launch. Uh, yeah, they say it's no longer available. I can't check the price, but I do believe this one launched at $7.99 as well. Uh, 
just a quick scroll through here to see if we've got anything interesting occurring. Oops, sorry, hit my mic there. Um, yep, dual front firing speakers, gonna miss that. It's only got stereo on both these bad boys, and they will launch with Android 11. So, I mean, I've been using Android 11 for a hot minute now, and I do like Android 11. Other than the notification bar, I wish that the when you drag the notification bar, your quick toggle menu was still uh, nine instead of six. It does feel kind of tiny. But anyways, with that, let's talk about the rest of the Google Pixel or the Google Launch Night in. We got Android TV or Google TV. Sorry, Google TV. Android TV. Something else. Um, Google TV is basically uh, their new software behind the Chromecast. So you basically buy Chromecast with Google TV. They're 50 bucks. They come in some very nice colors. They've got a uh, white color. They've got a pink color. I believe it's called like sand or something like that. And they've got a blue color. And that one is called sky. And the remotes do indeed match on the white one. It's obviously white. On the more pinker one, it's kind of like a light sand color. Um, and then on the uh, blue one, it is a green, kind of similar to the phone, but a little bit lighter. Uh, yeah, so they come with a remote. They come with Google TV as built-in software. And basically, it is going to be your new entertainment operations center. What Google is trying to do here is they are erasing the need for individual apps for all your TV shows. So it's basically going to have all your TV shows in one place. If you want to watch Game of Thrones in HBO Max and immediately switch over to YouTube, you no longer need to go into the individual apps. It is all on your home screen, which is super dope, obviously. Um, I mean... Like, that's kind of one of the things that I hate right now about Fire TV is, because uh, that's the one I use. I haven't used Roku, so I can't speak to Roku, but I do believe it's very similar. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, Fire TV, you have to go in and out of apps, and yes, you can do the search thing, but then you still have to go into the app. After it's done with this, you click on the show, and it launches you straight to the show page, right? I mean, that's that's pretty dope, not going to lie. Um, you can, you know, uh, they do have a bunch of apps available to download, and you can go ahead and link your accounts and, and those kind of things. It was a little bit longer to set up because I did have to link some accounts uh, to this thing to, to get this all going. Um, but another cool thing that they will be doing with this is over time, it is going to have, there's a For You page. So we've got a couple little tabs here. There's uh, a search tab. So the home page that you land on is called the For You page. It's basically got, you know, recommended for you, top picks, and uh, let me say, recommended for you over time should get insanely good. It will know your next move. I am not lying. It will know your next move. It's crazy. Um, but basically, as you watch stuff, it's going to, you know, curate and it's going to think, okay, all right, they watch this, they watch this, blah, blah, blah. People watch this, and then they watch this, but then this person also watched this. So let's do it like cross-compatible. I mean, whenever Google does anything with recommendations, they are, they get you over time. They start to nail you spot on. And it should be interesting. As, the more that I watch on this device, the more 
the better that my population on my homepage gets. Um, and then we'll go immediately to the left of the For You page, and it is a search tab. You go over the search tab, it allows you to instantly launch in a search. Um, or on the home, on the uh, actual controller itself, um, I guess we could talk about the layout really quick. So we'll go um, from top to bottom, left to right. So on the top left is a back button, and then immediately over from that is a Google Assistant button. So you'll press and hold, and you'll talk into the remote, and it will listen, you know, come up with what you talk about, and then it'll do whatever you ask it to, which is pretty dope. Amazon has something um, very similar, but this is obviously Google. So Google Assistant has a little more built-in functionality with it. And uh, obviously, if you use Google Assistant a lot and you have it matched to recognize your voice, it'll act a whole lot better. Uh, obviously, mine did, so I just loaded in my current voice profile. Um, but then, you know, we move down to the, um, not necessarily, I guess, middle um, left. There's two buttons in the middle, and then there's uh, two buttons at the bottom. So, so we've got in the middle, um, bottom left, we've got a home button, and then off to the side of that is a mute button i do believe if i am not mistaken here let me just get a quick look at the bad boy yeah mute button and then um below that below the mute button is a netflix and button and next to the netflix button is a youtube button and then below those buttons below youtube is a power button which uh will turn off your tv if you enable it to you can choose in the settings what your power button turns off if it just turns off the chromecast or if it turns off the entire entertainment setup because it does have an ir blaster on the front of that button and then to the next of that you can control your inputs um, from that remote so it's pretty much you know going to control your entire TV at this point and then up towards the top on the on the right side is a volume uh, volume rocker you got up and down and then obviously you have a touch circle with a button in the middle all the way up at the top uh, it does up down left right and then you know in the center is the click to select so it's kind of interesting um, you know I've used it for you know, a decent amount of time it started to populate my for you a little bit better um, I haven't watched a whole lot on it I haven't pulled anything immediately off of the for you page to watch um, but I have you know you can curate a watch list so it's basically uh, you know one one stop shopping for all of your apps in your it's gonna be under the library tab um, I don't think I actually went over the all the tabs, so I did talk about the search. Um, then going to the right, you know, you've got live, um, and then we've got movies, then it's shows, and then it's apps, and then it's the library. So uh, obviously under live, it's going to be live things happening right now, you know. That's where Android TV is going to play a huge role, because it's the TV subscription service that you, uh, Google has where you can pay to get a bunch of, you know, channels or whatever, just like a traditional thing traditional cable provider um, and then under movies obviously it's going to populate movies from all different apps you know it showed a lot of uh, HBO Max and Amazon Prime and Netflix and those kind of things and then under shows it's going to do the same and then under apps it's going to have all of your apps plus uh, you know some apps that people use most frequently and then apps from the store that you can go ahead and download onto your device uh, and then under library is where your watch list is, and it has your uh, apps again, so you can scroll through that if you like. Um, it was a very interesting announcement, honestly, when they dropped that. It's not something that I was expecting. I was expecting a new Chromecast, but I wasn't expecting this. Um, then they did announce the new 
uh, Nest audio speaker to replace the Google Home. It's supposed to have much better sound. It does look kind of nicer. It's like a big, uh, what do you call this? A big pencil box that you'd use in like elementary school. Uh, it's got a fabric cover on the outside with the power button on the bottom. And I mean, the whole thing is a speaker. It's pretty crazy. Um, so it's supposed to be the main thing here is obviously the rebranding for Nest and then the improved uh, audio setup. So they said they added, you know, it's got a woofer, a tweeter, uh, some tuning software. It's supposed to be 75% louder and 50% stronger bass than the Google Home. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty decent. I, you know, I haven't, I don't have plans on buying one unless they are on a nice little sale um come come this black friday but yeah you know i've got other plans for for this black friday and you know if you need a google home buy buy one they got a brand new one um but if you already have one i i don't think it's it's worth the upgrade i didn't see anything uh, other than the aesthetic it's a very nice aesthetic i have to say uh, it comes in a lot of colors. We got charcoal, we got chalk, we got sand, which is light pink, we got sage, which is green, we got sky, which is a blue. Um, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Look kind of nice. Probably not worth the upgrade, though, over uh, if you have a current Google Home. Unless you want the nicer speaker and you got the money. Go ahead and drop it. It is what it is. Um, and so then finally for what has happened since last time Regal is closing up again I'm just going to mention it briefly just because uh, I didn't I, uh, I wrote this script actually for two weeks ago on the Wednesday after um, the last episode was published and you know I focused a lot on other things um, I didn't really write a whole lot for some other things but I did want to mention the the Regal here because I did add it uh, just recently but regal is going to go ahead and close up again after no time to die has been once again delayed to next year their um parent company center world uh said yeah, yeah we're regal closing up in the uk and the us we we don't have anything coming out there's no point in us being open right now um, and i did think that was interesting it does kind of seem like a nail in the coffin for movie theaters we'll have to wait and see what amc does um, AMC just might not care. I don't know. I haven't really checked in too much to see, you know, the whole situation of, of who else is doing what. Um, but anyways, that is it for that. Let's talk about what's coming up. So AMD is launching the RX 6000 series. That is happening at the end of this month on October 28th. Um, you know, some specs have been leaking. People have been talking, oh, there's going to be multiple cards, two cards, three cards, who knows. The power is supposed to rival the 3080 and 3090. NVIDIA's latest cards at a $449 price point, which would be insane. The 3080 comes in at $700, and the 3090 comes in at $1,500. Um, and matching $700 at $450? Hey, let's see it. Um, but then, recently, you know, NVIDIA's had a lot of issues with their launch of the 3080 and 3090, if you haven't been keeping up. A lot of supply issues, a lot of shortage issues, a lot of um, bots and scalpers going in and just purchasing entire massive quantities of them. So they went ahead and delayed the 3070 launch to October 29th. Kind of interesting. A day after, you know, AMD's event. Um, they might try to undercut AMD's price or match it here. Uh, the 
3070 is scheduled to launch at 499 and if the RX series does launch at 449 AMD or Nvidia might just say hey let's pull an AMD on them and undercut their price a day after the event so it should be interesting Nvidia did state that their main reason for delaying the launch of the 3070 was to um, get a larger stock going on of um, 3070s um, so now we just have you know two quick things to blow through I, I want to talk about um, streaming really quick and then talk about uh, we've got a real tech minutes little segment that we because there's a couple things that don't need their own segments but I do want to go over because they're pretty interesting or have some interesting things about them so first streaming so Spotify is partnering with Turnin to make some podcasts into TV and movie pitches basically here uh, Chernin is getting full access to the entire library of Spotify's um, podcast to say hey if you want to pitch something at us you get first crack at it nobody else can hit us with something until you hit us with something so it should be kind of interesting there's a lot of um, interesting podcasts on Spotify including this one you know real tech hours little plug catch us on Spotify if you aren't uh, catching us on some of the service but anyways um yeah you know it should be interesting to see what comes of this partnership because we've been saying a lot about how spotify needs to move up the food chain uh, at the same time as across so um, basically you know this is moving across the food chain they need to move into video content at some point they do streaming music now but video content clearly is coming very soon um, they're acquiring lots of podcasts most recently the Joe Rogan podcast and uh, yeah you know they got uh, video is an obvious next move and then the less obvious but more important next move is making some hardware Spotify needs to get into the physical world they need to make it into your hands somehow it needs to be a little hardware device that they can control the distribution of their you know service um, we did see a while back where Spotify was gonna have a um, car piece that you'd plug into your car and you'd be able to play your Spotify music through that and you would control it kind of on your it like hook up or it sit on your um, dashboard somewhere you put it I think it was over uh, a vent mount you know kind of like those air freshener dealies sit over vent mounts um, I did think that was going to be interesting I was kind of excited when they that was kind of rumored to be occurring um, so maybe Spotify is still looking to do something like that but I need to move into the hardware space at some point and then the second thing for streaming was AMC AMC did file to sell shares in an attempt to get cash so obviously they're struggling to stay afloat they were trying to sell 15 million dollars worth of shares at the current time AMC stock price is 419 so we'll just Go ahead and say four and some change at four and some change 15 million shares that is going to be you know that's that's a nice chunk of change that's nearly 60 million dollars well it is 60 million dollars over 60 million dollars as long as they sell them at market value um it'll be over 60 million dollars worth of cash will it be enough to keep the float will the sale even go through who knows they might even just end up go ahead and closing let's see if I search up AMC news and hit enter we get AMC theaters uh, oh says they will remain open uh, their stock price did fall though after Cineworld announced it was re closing um, 
But yeah, as, as far as I see here, uh, actually their stock did bounce up in pre-market trading today, so the market is open. Uh, and they did do a little bouncy bounce after they said, we're going to stay open. Because even though Cineworld and Regal are closing. Interesting, interesting. Always uh, uh, interesting as always. Um, the business landscape is very, very interesting right now. Uh, you know, if if you don't already, I'd say go ahead, download the Google News app, or or if you're on uh, Apple, get you some Google News Plus or, or whatever you got to do. Just do some reading. It's very interesting. So what's occurring out there, uh, you can begin to notice a lot of things after you read a lot. Um, but you know, stay up to date. Stay up to date. It's it's easy and it's all. I find it interesting at least. And, you know, it, it helps you, you know, be a better person a little bit, just because. But now it's time for some Real Tech Minutes. We are changing up the pod, we're changing up the format of Real Tech Minutes. So we're still going to be focused on smaller stories, but we're going to discuss them at, you know, a little bit more length than we did before, rather than just burning through them very quickly. Uh, first is the TickWatch Pro 3. Uh, and the main reason that I wanted to bring this up, you know, it's a smart watch, you know, that's great. They get released every day. It runs Wear OS. The main interesting thing here is it's the first watch to use the new Snapdragon 4100 chip. And so we talked a lot about this a while back, but if you don't remember, the new Snapdragon 4100 chip is supposed to be a baller. It is supposed to be way better, 85%, you know, more efficient or something like that, 85% more powerful. I can't remember. Basically, this 4100 chip blows everything out of the water. It's supposed to have better power management, much um, faster. It's supposed to be, you know, supercharged to the max. It's basically got a lot of power under the hood. And, um, oh, right, here we go. Sorry, 85% uh, jump in CPU performance, double the GPU performance, vastly improved power management for better battery life. Um, this TickWatch Pro uh, 3 specifically can do 72 hours between charges. If you set it to essential mode, it can do 45 days. And essential mode basically it's doing like just showing you your time and recording all your health data in the background so you can't actually look at it. Um, this watch is dropping at 299 so if you are looking for something like that, um, you might want to jump on this. Check it out. TickWatch makes a lot of great uh, lower priced, I, I guess they'd say mid-range price devices. You know, because I don't think they're very low price. Three hundred dollars certainly not low. Um, but anyways, the next little thing that I want to talk about was Microsoft bought Bethesda. So Bethesda does make some PlayStation exclusives, and my main guess here as to why they're buying Bethesda is because a lack of launch titles. This is one of the main issues people have been talking about with the uh, new Series X and Series S. Devices. We haven't seen anything about the Series V or Series 5, so I'm only going to mention those two, but people have been saying there's not a lot of launch titles, and Sony has a crap ton of launch titles for this device. We need new games, Microsoft. We need new games when this thing comes out. So Microsoft said, all right, let me just go drop a couple billion real quick on Bethesda. So they went and go <laughs> drop a couple billion on Bethesda, and they bought Bethesda. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what comes of this. Are they going to continue to make PlayStation exclusives? Are they not? Who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Um, and then the, there, there is a second thing for Microsoft. It's the final thing uh, that I just wanted to briefly mention. Xbox expansion card is going to cost two hundred nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents. Holy cow! <laughs> I mean. We mentioned it previously how on the two new consoles they were releasing, they do have an expansion slot on the back. And 
I thought that this was a cool feature. I kind of wanted Sony to do something similar. Um, but obviously it doesn't seem like they will. Um, but at $219, holy cow, that is half, almost half the price of the Series X. And it's over two-thirds of the price of the Series S. The Series S costs $299, and to expand it for one terabyte, it costs $219. You're looking to pay Series X price. You're basically paying more than you would if you'd bought a Series X for a Series S and a one terabyte expansion card. Holy cow. This would then put the Series X at nearly set at over $700. Over $700 for two terabytes of storage. That is crazy. Kind of stupid expensive. It is currently the only option available though because it does run their special velocity architecture. Lord knows what that means. Probably something very similar to the PlayStation 5, where it has, you know, the special architecture built in. Uh, Microsoft did say that if you want to run games, they have to be installed on the main hard drive or on this expansion slot. They cannot be installed in a secondary hard drive. Okay, interesting. Um, so, with that, we will finish up today's Real Tech Hours. Today we looked at a lot. We talked about a lot. You know, we... We started with you know Tesla Battery Day, and then Amazon, and then Nikola, and then we did a, a quick look at Google's launch night in, and Regal is closing up again, um, and then we talked about you know what's coming up. Obviously, AMD is launching uh, their RX 6000 series, and Nvidia delayed their 3070 series or the 3070 graphics card to a day after the uh, AMD launch. Then we talked about streaming with Spotify and uh, you know AMC, and then we talked. A little bit with some real tech minutes an old segment brought back and made new mainly the reason that i did that was talk about the snapdragon 4100 chip i'm very excited to see more smartwatches drop with the 4100 chip i was hoping google would do something this time although the google event was extremely short normally they like to go way in depth on what they're doing especially with the camera and this time they only briefly mentioned things so it's kind of interesting um, maybe a new approach, maybe a new take. Maybe they're just not as comfortable, you know, recording at home as everybody else is. Um, but anyways, uh, if you have a question, comment, topic you want to see discussed, or you just want to reach out, send an email to realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. That is realtechhourspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at realtechhours to stay up to date with the latest podcast news and updates. And as always, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.